Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Speaking of Green. I am your hostess, Beth Bond, curator of sustainable news at Southeast Green, where we cover all the sustainable business news and environmental policy news we can that affects the lives directly of folks living in the Southeast United States. I am so excited about our guest this morning. I know I say that every time, but you know I'm excited about sustainability, and actually our guest this morning is going to dovetail um, into a conversation that's just happened recently in Atlanta. So let me introduce you to Ian Mills and PowerNot. Ian is the founder and president of PowerNot, the leading provider of environmentally sound products that reduce cost and carbon footprint. With its headquarters in San Jose, California, PowerNot provides innovative solutions for commercial, industrial, and military customers seeking to reduce their carbon footprint. The company designs, manufactures, and sells systems that are self-contained to eliminate food waste. Its LFCs, liquid food composters, are high-quality, technologically advanced biodigesters capable of rapid digestion of most organic materials. LFCs create a safe and economical resolution for customers looking to address their carbon footprint by diverting food, waste food from landfills and by reducing emissions related to the transportation of waste. Welcome, Ian. Good morning. And thank you for being up so early on the West Coast. So before we got to, um, before we were on air, we were talking a little bit about how food waste is one of the big, big culprits of carbon footprint because people don't really understand it. So can you explain a little bit why food waste is such an issue? When food waste is sent to a landfill, it gets buried and decomposes in the absence of oxygen. That's called an anaerobic process. And that anaerobic process creates methane. And methane is 84 times worse for the atmosphere than carbon dioxide. When you walk into a forest, the leaves of the trees of the forest fall onto the forest floor and they decompose. They decompose in the presence of oxygen, that is aerobically, and that is a carbon neutral uh, situation so that the carbon which is produced by that decomposition is then subsequently absorbed by the trees. And it's the same with the food that we eat. If the food uh, waste is, that is wasted at the end of the day decomposes aerobically, then that's a carbon neutral situation because the carbon, carbon dioxide produced by that aerobic decomposition is absorbed by the plants that are used to make the food. And so when we have waste food and we send it to a landfill, it's creating a smell. Nobody wants to live next to a landfill and it's creating methane, which is terribly bad for the environment. The, for an example, um, we, sell, we sell a machine, for instance, that can digest 1,200 pounds of waste food a day. And that 1,200 pounds of waste food a day, if a hotel or a big restaurant is sending that to the landfill, that's going to create about 750 tons of CO2 equivalent a year. And that is equivalent 
to driving 1.8 million miles. Uh, so that's about 160 times around the USA. And, and I think that people aren't really aware of the impact of, of this waste going to the landfill. I mean, sure, we, we all want more efficient we all want more efficient cars, uh, but we can we can improve the efficiency a few percent. It's very you know it's hard to go from 45 miles a gallon to 55 miles a gallon. That's very hard to do. But if you imagine that that a hotel is sending uh, 1,200 pounds of waste food to a landfill, that's that's equivalent to driving 1.8 million miles uh, a year, and and it's a significant impact. And there are uh, cities, counties, and states which are now realizing the impact of the waste food on the landfill and are passing ordinances or regulations to stop large businesses from sending organic material to the landfill. So I had no idea that it was that significant. Now, I will tell you that down south we are not regulation-friendly, although I'm sure you have examples of some cities in the south doing it. So considering the environment where we're not going to have a lot of regulatory impetus, what is the argument you use when you're going in to the southeast to do business with folks and saying, you know, I mean, is it an environmental? Is it? An, I'm assuming that there's some type of economic um, right yeah, value so, to doing know, it. Tip, typically, in typically throughout the U.S., the decision to deploy one of our machines is a financial decision. Um, it is, <clears throat> it is motivated by uh, environmental concerns more and more. Uh, hotels uh, and convention centers are being asked by their by conference or organizers how green is your hotel how green is your conference center and so if you're organizing a conference for a thousand people or two thousand people you'll send out a questionnaire to the hotels or the convention centers and ask them that information so that is now becoming more prevalent and on there on most of those questionnaires is the question, what are you doing with your waste food? And so that's that's getting to be a very much more visible thing for the hotelier or the restaurateur. But but by and large, it's driven by a motivation to sell, to save money. And so, for instance, you know, that that hotel that's got 1,200 pounds of waste food a day, they could rent one of our machines, let's say, for $1,500 or $2,000 a month. And the cost of their trash collection is more than that, $2,300 or $2,500 a month. And so, therefore, the machine would pay for itself on the day it goes in. I mean, it, it gives lots of intangible benefits in addition to saving the money and saving the environment, there are other intangible benefits. Handling waste food is a messy business, and a lot of people don't want to deal with it. So um, a, a, a hotel, for example, may, may decide to recycle the paper, plastics, cardboard, and all of that first. And what they're left, up, left with at the end is the smelly stuff that they don't want to deal with. And then that's where people like us can come in and help them deal with that situation. All right, let's talk about, because we said organics, but in my world, organics means 
vegetables and fruits that are grown without pesticides and are non-GMO. So let's define what you mean by organics. <clears throat> right. So, so we use the term organics generally to mean the waste food. Um, our machine can digest anything that you and I can digest. It's a stainless steel stomach, and and so it's digesting anything. So it it can't digest large meat bones any more than you or I can digest them, unless you're a vampire. And uh, so, so, but it can digest crustacean shells and and pineapple heads, for instance, which are very prevalent in many hotels in the southeast. And and so that we, uh, but but some of our customers are also putting the clippings in from the plants around their hotel or restaurant, and so. We use the general term organics because those things go into the machine as well. Well, that's pretty cool to think about that not only you're helping with the kitchen scraps, you're also helping with sort of their landscaping scraps. Now, would you put bones in it? Well, you can put bones in it, and bones always go in it, but they they don't get digested. Uh, A few bones in there will over months get digested, but by and large, uh, we we ask the, the customers to clean the machine out um, once a week or once a fortnight to take out anything that shouldn't be in there. I mean, customers put in rubber bands, they put in plates and cutlery, as well as large bones, and, and those things don't get digested. They wouldn't get digested in, in our stomachs, and they don't get digested in our machine either. And so periodically they need to clean it out and take those things out of the machine. All right, so let's talk about how this actually, for any of our uh, folks who would be interested, how this works. You put, hopefully, organic stuff without bones and without cutlery and plates into the machine, and then what happens? It's a, it's a biological process. It's using natural microorganisms and natural enzymes to accelerate the process of digestion. Uh, The drum uh, is just like a stainless steel stomach, except that it's operating aerobically. That's in the presence of oxygen. And so there's no smell, just like my example of the forest floor. There's no smell when the the organic material is decomposed or digested. And it's digesting it and turning it into a liquid. And the liquid falls through a mesh screen at the bottom of the machine. And then it is going down the drain to the sewage company. And so we're using gravity to take this waste away from the hotel or restaurant instead of using some truck belching diesel to take it away. So, and what happens to, I mean, right, I mean, if you think about compost, right, you, there, there's going to be a water factor, but then there's also like this great soil left over. Does this digester create a soil, or tell, tell us how that works. No, no, the, the machine is digesting and turning everything into a liquid. I mean, there are some small, there are some small solids in it, but they're very, very small because they fall through the mesh screen. So it, it's, it's turning it into a liquid, and it's all going down the drain as a liquid. Now, yes, you know, composting... Composting is wonderful for the environment. If you're in a facility where you have the capability to compost your your organic material and put it um, 
and put it to the land uh, sorry to compost your material and then use it locally on a compost uh, on a farm or something locally uh, then then that's better for the environment and that will always get 10 out of 10 in my view every time uh, but most hotels most restaurants don't have the capability to do the composting locally and then what they're going to need is a truck to take it away and if you're taking your organic material away and driving it 150 miles and then to a compost facility and then from a compost facility another 150 miles to a farm well that's not necessarily good for the environment yeah that you know you've got all those trucks on the road and a lot of these compost facilities um it's 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 just not easy it seems easy it's like nuclear power let's take let's take a couple of atoms and smash them together and we've got lots of power and then you have to put all this stuff around it and it's the same with composting it's not easy and many composts throughout the country smell and so lots of lots of people don't want a compost facility near to them which means that the compost facility out is out of the town out of the country and now you've got trucks carrying this stuff backwards and forwards to a compost facility. When the, when the nutrients from the waste food go through our machine and go to the sewage farm, they're recycled at the sewage farm into compost, uh, just like all the rest of the organic material going to the, the sewage farm. And so that stuff does get reused. It's not as if we're... we're denying the environment the nutrients that were in the food to start with we're just finding a better way of disposing it and getting it out of the way well and the, um the other thing about it is is the number one challenge um just to prove my geekiness on this is getting um staff to compost the right way right because a lot of composters don't want meat. They don't want, you know, they just want the fruits and vegetables in native states, you know, the ends of lettuce and stuff like that. You know, they don't want the dressing on it. They don't want any of that. So it sounds like you're solving another problem also because you're taking everything and converting it to liquid. We're taking everything that can be eaten. Yes, that's exactly right, Beth. And, you know, if you if you have to separate and only put that stuff over to the compost facility, then it becomes very tough and uh, even more tough. And, you know, let's look, let's look at the third alternative, which is uh, we'll do exactly the same stuff. We'll put it into a truck, uh, in, into a bin in our kitchen. We'll move it outside to a smelly container outside, which is attracting rats and flies. And then we'll pay someone some money. He'll drive a truck up. And then he'll take it off to an anaerobic digester, a place that's going to create methane from the uh, waste food uh, so that we can have the methane, which we can then use to burn and turn a, power, uh, a turbine and create electricity. And again, this sounds all kind of wonderful, except that there was an independent report done by a university in London that showed that the uh, use of our biodigester on site uh, had a payback period of under two years as opposed to 13 years for an anaerobic digester and was 73 times better for the environment than the anaerobic digester. So again, it sounds like a wonderful thing. Let's take this organics and let's turn it into gas and so we can have that, that, um, that capability and use it. Uh, but again, it's not necessarily good for the environment either. 
And so there's no, there's no easy way. Once we've got the waste food, there's no easy way. I'm not trying to pretend that a biodigester on site is 100% perfect. 100% perfect will be a, a very, very good compost locally on, on your site and then turn it. However, I've got to tell you, here in California and probably many parts of the southeast as well, it's very difficult to have a compost. I had a compost for seven years at my house, and it's not easy. I've given up. I've given up trying to compost my own food scraps. They go in the green bin, and, and the, the waste company takes it away. So I, I personally have zero waste. Our company here has zero waste, and we're helping some of our customers get to zero waste as well. Well, and... Before we get to the zero waste conversation, because that is a huge conversation here in Atlanta, particularly, um, I do what I call lazy composting, and I put it. I just I have a bin. It's a natural wooden bin, and I just toss it out there, and then every five years it sort of disintegrates. I put it in my pile and and do it. Most people don't w- want to do that, <clears throat> um, and I'm not using it. I mean, I've got the healthiest compost pile in the world because it's organics, but you know, I'm not. I'm not using it for anything, so that doesn't necessarily solve the problem either. Uh, the other thing about this this conversation I think is very, very important in regards to anaerob- anaerobic digesters is, is we've been waiting for seven years now. Um, we've had at least four or five different contracts compiled, and we still don't have an anaerobic digester. I, the money still doesn't make sense um, for whatever reason. So when people talk to me about anaerobic, anaerobic digesters at this point, I just sort of roll my eyes and and say I'll believe it when I see it because we've you know, we've gone through press release and press release and talked to folks, um, and we are still waiting for an anaerobic digester to show up in Atlanta. So I really love this this solution in particular because it's it's much cleaner, it's much easier for uh the restaurants and you know, once again if you're moving it to anaerobic digester, you're still moving it. And the most heavy thing to move is water. And if you think about all the fuel and all the energy we use to move water in vehicles, um, whether it's, you know, strictly water or if you're going to move it in the form of fruits and vegetables or, you know, other organics, it just, you know, you might as well compost it. You know, the minute it hits the truck, it's a bad thing, right? that's, That's my view as well. I mean, we... We can eliminate those trucks from the street. And, of course, it's, it's, it's the truck that's carrying the organics, which is the ones that go on fire. Yeah, and so, I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen a, a garbage truck on fire, uh, but if you, if you search on, on Google, you'll find lots of images of garbage trucks that go on fire because the, the waste is starting to decompose inside the truck, and then there's a spontaneous combustion, and it just, just the whole truck goes up. So it's not it. So it's bad for the environment if the truck makes it. It's even worse if it doesn't make it. Uh, but but yes, yeah, <coughs> so anaerobic digesters. Um, people have told me that they never make any money. And I I've had discussions at trade shows with people who have anaerobic digestion. They say, oh well, we're profitable. And and it turns out when you ask them, they're profitable because they're state subsidized, and because they are the people who are bringing the garbage to them, the waste to them, are paying them to take it, uh, which is increasing the cost of the collection, which is being paid by the end user. And so uh, there's no anaerobic digesters where they are they are collecting the material uh, from your facility and taking it away 
at no charge and using it and turning it into energy. That just doesn't exist. It stays subsidized or it's subsidized heavily by the user. And so even in areas where there are possibilities for our customers to send stuff to anaerobic digesters, it's still cheaper for them to put one of our machines in and much better for the environment as well. All right. So I can already tell we're going to run out of time. So do you have a little extra time? Yes, so I am. I'm free, the conversation. Yes. Okay. So I'm just curious because clearly this is a, when someone's going to make this decision, this is a financial decision. So who is the perfect customer for this? We have customers throughout the southeast in major hotels. We have them in sports stadiums. We have them um, in exhibition facilities, conference facilities, aged care facilities, um, uh, schools. Uh, any, any company that has a large amount of waste foods, organics, uh, we have we have machines that operate from anywhere from 50 pounds a day up to over 2,000 pounds a day, and so uh, that's the range of size of machine. Our machines are all sold to industries and business; they're not for residential use, uh, but but we sell them throughout the throughout the southeast. Um, there's you know it, it's it's tough uh, when you have especially when you have dense populations atlanta miami when you have dense populations it, trucks have to go a long way and if trucks have to go a long way then the cost of your garbage disposal go up and when the cost of the garbage disposal goes up uh, then the economics of using a biodigester on your facility make a lot more sense well, and I know that Atlanta, the city of Atlanta, not Metro Atlanta, but the city of Atlanta does have a zero-waste target. So I would think that, that Atlanta is a really rich environment for you all. Have, do we have anybody locally that you know of off the top of your head that's using one? We, ha- we have a customer who is about to purchase one. A big major hotel in Atlanta is about to purchase one. Uh, we, we have many installations in Miami and Orlando and Tampa. Um, and we, we're just about to sell a big machine to, well, several big machines to a large hotel in Atlanta. Well, we, so watch we the want space and, and we can talk and I can tell you the name of the customer next in, a, in another few months. <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. And we so they're going to set, so set, the, set the, the, the tone in Atlanta. People will see that and say, this is a good idea. Because you can't get to zero waste without resolving your organics. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of people, um, for instance, would say, okay, I want to be seen to be green. And they'll put some, some solar panels up so that their, their customers can see a few solar panels on their roof. And they can say, well, that's good. And that is good. There's no denying that's good. It typically, solar panels have a long payback, longer payback than our machine, and they have a fairly minimal impact on your, your environmental footprint, your carbon footprint. So, for instance, if we go back to my example of the, the guy who's got 1,200 pounds of waste food a day, um, you would need an entire football field, an entire U.S. football field full of solar panels to offset that carbon of sending that to the landfill. Uh, and that's assuming you're in the southeast where you've got lots of sunshine. Uh, you, you, go, you go up to Boston, you're going to need two football fields. And so it's, it's a big deal 
you know, put a few solar panels on uh, doesn't mean anything if you're still throwing your organics out of the back door to the landfill. So, yes, if you want to get to zero waste, um, the paper plastics and cardboard are all the easy things to, to resolve. And it's the smelly, messy stuff that you're left with. And that's where we come in. One of the things one of the things we didn't talk about, Beth, is that that there is there is waste food and we, we touched on this briefly before the show there is waste food and it's hard it's hard to do that uh, it's it's a it's a it's a thing that's a cultural thing that we have here that there is the waste food the thing that our machine does is it weighs the amount of waste and it reports it by the hour day week month and year and so you can see how much waste food you're wasting. So, for instance, if on Thursday we wasted 50% more than we did on the other days of the week, and that was the day that the chef was off and the sous chef took over, then maybe we can address that and we can start to reduce the amount of waste food. You can't, you can't control what you can't measure. And so we allow people the opportunity to measure the amount of waste food and report it. And that's reported not only on the touch screen on the machine, but also up on the cloud. So you can see that from anywhere in the world, you can see how much it is. And so we, have, we do have global customers who have machines in different cities, different countries, and from one place they can see how much they're wasting uh, in Atlanta and in Miami and maybe in London and maybe in Dubai. And they can compare and say, okay, we're wasting far more in Atlanta, what's going on there? And so that, that's something that we can help to reduce the amount of waste food in the first place. Uh, we obviously so our machine is designed smarter. to get rid of the waste. I'm sorry? sorry, so it makes you smarter, right? It helps you manage your business upfront better also. Yes, because a business doesn't want waste food. Nobody wants the waste food. It's money they're paying for. And so they, they really want to re reduce the amount of waste. All businesses want to do that. Uh, but we can actually show them where the waste is. Hey, you're wasting twice as much for breakfast than you are for dinner. What's going on here? Uh, or you're wasting more on Thursday than you did the other days of the week. Uh, and so we give them that opportunity. And of course, we, we convert that to carbon, off, carbon dioxide offset. And so they can report that information to their stakeholders. In Europe, any, any public corporation has to re report their carbon footprint just like they have to report their their profit and loss on their annual report. And so this helps people in Europe to reduce their carbon footprint and be able to report it. And we're seeing more and more of our customers in the U.S. are becoming much more interested in telling their, their stakeholders, yes, we've diverted, you know, 800 tons of CO2 from the landfill. So that's, that's a good deal for, for people to be able to see what they're doing on a daily basis. Okay, so I have two more questions, and then they, they, then they may cut us off. <laughs> One is um, if you have a small mom-and-pop restaurant, let's say, you know, you know maybe, maybe seats 50, can they still get benefits from this? Well, our smallest machine is 50 pounds a day. Um, what we're typically seeing is, is approximately a quarter of a pound of waste food for each meal that's served. Uh, so, so if you're serving 200 meals a day, 
you've probably got 50 pound of waste and so that 50 seat restaurant if they're turning it over they've probably they can probably benefit from one of our smallest machines but obviously a small machine is is a lot more expensive per pound than a big machine and um so but yeah they can get benefits it it the economics are just about there depends it really depends on what they're paying for their trash uh, but but we sell those machines to plate people who say i got to have this i i can't be seen to be sending my waste food to the landfill we we have to do this we're not going to we're we're going to be environmentally friendly so yes to answer your question the mom and pop business that's concerned about the environment and wants to show that they're concerned about the environment or where there is regulation in place to say that they can't dump it um yeah they can benefit enormously and of course the planet benefits enormously <laughs> you know we all we all think what can we do for the planet oh it's such a big problem but it's down to each and every one of us to to make a decision every day how can we be better for the environment i mean there's no doubt that global warming is coming and um we need we need to address it each of us right well i just have gotten back from dc and according to the experts we heard over the weekend um, with the march and everything, it's already here. So we we, we got to get on it. Um, the second question I have is, is, so we don't have anybody in Atlanta yet, but can you tell us some folks you have in Florida? Yes, we have we have the JW Marriott Marquis, which is their six-star restaurant in Miami. We have the JW Marriott. We have the Grand Hyatt in Tampa. Uh, we have the Hyatt Regency in Orlando Airport. Uh, we have the Hard Rock Stadium uh, in Miami, which is the home of the Miami Dolphins. So those are some of the big customers and many, many smaller customers as well. Lots. Okay, I know the guy who runs the Georgia Dome. I'm sending this to him, just so you know. Thank you. Who runs the sustainability for the Dome. And since, uh, for those of you all who do not know, the new Georgia Dome, sorry, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium um, they have set their target to be uh, LEED certified platinum and the greenest stadium, not in Georgia, not in the United States, not in the world, but in the universe. So it sounds like they need some of your some of your uh, LFCs. Excellent. Thank you. So, Ian, this has just been great. And um, as we were saying, this food waste is the number two thing, according to Paul Hawkins' new book, drawdown that can help us reduce our carbon footprint. Number two, out of like hundreds of things that we can do, solar was number 10, just to put that in perspective. So number two is food waste, and I'm just so thrilled that we have such a a unique and compact and easy solution to help us with it. So thank you so much for all you do. Thank you very much, Beth. All right, we'll look forward to getting that press release for when you get into Atlanta. Right. Will do. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So I missed Paul Hawkins in Atlanta last week, and, of course, everybody was there. Um, but with trying to get to D.C. and everything, I just could not squeeze it into my schedule. And he has cr- created a lot of buzz here in the sustainability community in Atlanta. The book is now available. I will make sure that we add this to the show notes on Southeast Green. Um, the drawdown book, because when you think about that, the number two thing we can do, the number two thing we can do is reduce our food waste. And, of course, reducing it at restaurants and hotels is the really big issue, so I just love the solution. But all of us have 
um, the ability to help us on this food waste issue. So please be a little more conscientious as as you shop, and you know, ask the question: Do I really need this? And and um, you will be helping. And I'm look, I'm the worst culprit. I really do have the healthiest compost pile in Atlanta because there's so many organic fruits and vegetables that go in there, but. You know, I'm trying to be more conscientious. It's much more difficult than switching out the light bulbs for sure, but we can all do our part, and I think that also includes going to restaurants, you know. You know, do we really need to order this? So anyway, um, I really appreciate this conversation and really appreciate Ian for being on with us at 6.30 a.m. California time. He said it was no big deal for him. For me, psychologically, it's very stressful. Um, Have a great green groovy week and let's just let's just eat one less thing or let's just throw away one less thing and and make more conscientious purchases and um and we will look forward to you on the next episode of speaking of green don't forget if you are a business you can get on our green business directory listing uh 25 dollars for life and be on southeast green for life for 25 dollars um and we would appreciate Y'all supporting that effort. We have over 100 uh, members now on the listing and growing. So we are signing out with Jeff Hicks and the Heretics, Life's a Peach. <laughs>